Set down your sleepy water and your Mr. Whistle. Take off that raincoat and grab a cold beer. It's time to have a real talk about pediatric dentistry. You're listening to Bruise and Tiny Teeth, the unfiltered pediatric dentistry podcast. All right, guys, well, we're going to go ahead and get started and kind of knock this out here. Like I, I was telling you guys, this is a kind of a, a lecture that I give to the um, uh, when I go back to Iowa once a year, I go and meet with like the PEDS residents. And then I also give this lecture to the D4s, which I don't think they appreciate a lot of this stuff as much until they're, you know, because they're just so worried about like surviving and passing boards and everything else. But um, I want to come back and like kind of tell my story since I was a dental student and a, a PEDS resident about kind of my startup journey. Um, it's kind of becoming less and less common to do a, a startup um, or just even be a, a practice owner in general at not a big DSO, but actually go out and like start a practice or, or take over and buy a practice. Um, and there's some things that I've really not done well and some things that I've, I've um, kind of been really successful at. So uh, I kind of put together a summary of my story and some of my thoughts here, and I, I kind of wanted to uh, review it with you guys. Um, so we're going to talk about how to crush it as a private practice owner going to talk about my journey a little bit, review the benefits of owning a practice. There's five like really key benefits that are uh, perks to owning a practice. And then uh, I put together kind of a simple recipe for success. And then I put together at the very end, uh, the 10 commandments to running a profitable practice. Um, 10 things that I feel like a lot of dentists don't do well that, um, that I think we should be doing. So uh, I've got a quote from Socrates to, to uh, kick this off. Employ your time in improving yourself by other men's writings so that you shall gain easily but, uh, what they, by what they have labored hard for. I put that in there uh, as a reminder to kind of review that like one of the best things you can do at your stage of the game is, and you guys are you know, gonna be uh, out working here pretty soon, but one of the best things I did um, while I was a dental student or in a resident was I shadowed as many pediatric dentists as possible. Like, you know, if you can go and shadow at least 10 different offices, that's the best thing you can do by learning how other dentists do things, things that they do well, things that you go and shadow and say, wow, that really sucks. Like, I hate the way they do that. Or man, that's a really smart idea. Or that's a really cool hack or cool system. Um, there's no need to reinvent the wheel because there's a lot of really smart dentists out there. So <clears throat> make sure you spend plenty of time, you know, listening to other people's stories, people that are in the trenches that have done this for a while um, so that you can gain easily what they've labored hard for and made the mistakes for. <clears throat> so uh, kind of the summarized version of my journey, a couple of you guys probably are, are familiar with this, but I grew up in Iowa. Um, I spent my summers in college working at a, a engine repair shop and a pediatric dentist came in one day and we kind of became friends and he asked what I was going to school for. Next thing you know, I'm shadowing in his office and he convinced me to become a pediatric dentist. So I met him selling chainsaws. I'm set, standing here holding a picture of, you know, a giant chainsaw, but uh, I don't come from a typical dental background, but um, as soon as I saw him work, I knew that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life there. So I applied, finished uh, my dental degree at the University of Iowa College of Dentistry, matched to Iowa, did two years right after um, dental school there. And then uh, I briefly worked as an associate at a practice in Minnesota um, that uh, it was a really good opportunity. And I actually, it, it kind of convinced me that I do think it's a good idea to, to get a little associate um, of an associateship under your belt just to get not just get your speed up, but also get, um, you know, kind of learn the basics of how private practice operates, really ask and learn things and ask questions about how the, the front end of things work, like uh, book work, insurance, stuff like that. Um, 
so I, I had a lot of benefits there. It was a good relationship, but um, I, we wanted to be closer to home and I wanted to start my, my own startup practice. So uh, I got kind of laid off from that with COVID and that was uh, kind of a blessing in disguise. I ended up doing all the homework for starting, getting the loan, building out, hiring the employees, building my website, marketing, creating the logo, um, hiring all the employees. Uh, I did all that during, during COVID and then we formally opened the doors to Quiver Creek Pediatric Dentistry in October of 2020. So we're on about two and a half years now of our, our journey and been growing like crazy ever since. So I've got a, a slide here just kind of going over sort of how I chose my location. So I'm kind of in Northeast Missouri. I'm I'm north of St. Louis, about 45 minutes. I'm kind of the, uh, not kind of, I'll show you. I'm the last pediatric dentist between um, like the outer suburbs of uh, St. Louis all the way up to the rural area of Northeast Missouri. So I cover a lot of the kids that need sedation in that Northeast corner of the state. Um, but I, I, I knew I always wanted to do rural. I wanted to, to be busy. I wanted to have challenging cases, um, see Medicaid. So while I was in uh, dental school, um, I put together... A, uh, um, I put together, you know, uh, kept stuff from lunch and learns, you know, whenever somebody would come and speak like a banker or an equipment rep, I'd always keep all the information there. And then uh, I put together a business plan and I'm happy to get you guys this PowerPoint, but um, without going into details, a business plan was kind of a good exercise to put together for the banks to uh, show that I had a plan in place. I knew I was going to be successful in this location and this is how I was going to do it. And then I put together my dream team. I, I worked on getting a banker. I had my accountant. Um, I use uh, Evan Coke uh, with EDK Advisory. I had my dental contractor, my broker to help me find the, um, the space. I had attorney, my technology uh, crew, that was Medex. My supplier was Getsy at all my insurances. So there's a whole slew of about eight, 10 different people that you need on your team to put this together and make it work. Um, so all of that was stuff that I worked on while in residency and was just very organized with the binder, keeping everything put together. Uh, but you can see on the right, you know, where my office is at um, is, is kind of north of St. Louis a little ways, but it's in, you know, you want to look for rural areas, working families where the kids have cavities, but there's jobs to support it and there's not a lot of competition. So, and, you know, in an ideal world, if you're going to make up a community to go practice in, in my opinion, that's the place to go. You know, you can live close to the city where you could drive in, um, and go party and go to nice restaurants and go to, um, you know, go to a show or a baseball game, but drive out to the bedroom working class, blue collar communities. Those are where the cavities are at and, uh, and where the needs are at. So I'm a big, I'm a really big advocate for going rural or semi-rural here. Uh, again, a map of kind of where the other uh, pediatric dentists are and then myself in my office, um, drawing from a, a really large bedroom community. So uh, I've got a, you know, I designed my office. Um, this would be a lot more expensive to, to build this office now, but you know, two and a half years ago before things got expensive, uh, it was about a half a million dollar loan. It took me about about 375k to build out the office, 150k for equipment, and another 50k for working capital. I did get some tenant improvement allowance, so the landlord chipped in some um, uh, some funds to help me build the office in their commercial uh, uh, space. I did not build like own my own building and build a space because that just was going to be really uh, expensive, take a lot of uh, a big down payment. It's just going to be restrictive on my cash flow, so I focused on, uh, at first on doing a lot of really good dentistry and said, I can always build my Taj Mahal 10 years from now if I need to. Uh, but I do have 3000 square feet. I've got four open bay chairs here, uh, three quiet ops. Those are sound resistant. Uh, one of them's oversized for uh, in-office sedation. Um, 
big waiting rooms important, especially in a rural area if you're busy. This is kind of designed to be a two-doctor practice. Sterilization and x-rays are centralized. Um, good break room, take care of your employees, that's important. And then my own doctor's office. Uh, if I were going to do this office again, the only two big changes I would make is I would put more oxygen tanks in my supply closet because we go through a ton of oxygen. And then I would probably put a divider between my four open bay chairs and do two and two. Uh, Post-COVID, that would have been something nice to do just to split the families up and give a little more privacy there. Open bays, I think, are nice, but they're starting to shift towards wanting, you know, you, you want a little bit of separation there is a good idea. Um, and so uh, I started with one front desk, one assistant, and then one hybrid. Uh, and then our office, you know, as far as a demographic base, like I said, it's working kids with cavities, uh, working families, kids have cavities, but uh, it's a pretty healthy mix, a fair amount of Medicaid, about 50% Medicaid. Um, we're in network with Delta and then the rest is fee for service and out of network. So a nice healthy blend. We see a ton of sedations, uh, really busy on the sedation side, a lot of bread and butter dentistry. I don't do a lot in, you know, specialty fancy things. I do a few tongue ties here and there. Um, I don't do any ortho, uh, I don't do any oral sedation. It's all just, you know, heavy nitrous, uh, lots of recalls, and then lots of in-office GA. We do a lot of, we have an anesthesiologist come in. So this is my, my logo and my practice on our medical building. Um, you can kind of see the breakdown of the office. We've added chairs and expanded, but I've got that rural farm, barn, barn theme going on. Uh, we've got my Boyd chairs. I really like these Boyd concept chairs where um, the whole idea is not a lot of cabinetry, low overhead. Um, all the assistants have lighted loops, so um, they don't, you know, it's actually cheaper to do that than put all the overhead lights in. Um, so, uh, so I just like a really clean office without a lot of clutter. You know, you don't need all the side cabinets. That's just wasted cabinetry that you're paying for. Um, very simple and clean. I have a Home Depot cart as my supply cart. I got a TV on the ceiling. Um, but just really basic custom cabinetry, just simple custom cabinetry. Uh, all my front desk I made out of barn wood. I took down off of a barn and had my cabinet makers make. Um, a lot of my stuff in my office was Amazon and eBay. You know, you don't need to write huge checks for these things. Uh, you know, to keep your costs low, you got to kind of scrap and claw and buy stuff online, be creative. I had a guy on Etsy make this desk for a hundred bucks. You know, um, just don't, don't feel like you need to spend an arm and a leg when you're a practice owner. Um, my x-ray chair, barbershop chair on uh, Amazon is like 150 bucks, right? Where I did spend good money, uh, the delivery systems for my, my hand pieces and then my uh, vacuum and suction, that's your heart and lungs of your practice. Spent top dollar on that, like $30,000 Bulldog, Ram Vac, Dry Vac system. So you spend good money on, on sterilization, um, you know, your, your key components, but uh, everything else and disposables you shop around for. Uh, central sterile, nice big sterilization, really being organized in peds with your sterile is important. So uh, I've got this giant organizer on Amazon that's got, you know, 60 different little tiny tip out compartments and we keep all of our stainless steel crown sizes in there. Uh, lots of tip out bins. I like tip out bins so you can keep your supplies handy. And then now we have a card system where when something runs out in the tip out bin means it's time to order it and then we get it ordered. Um, but just having a good supply system in place is important. I like on my uh, sterile, I've got, you know, a station set up where you're building trays and you can store them up high in these slots. Um, so just putting a lot of thought into how your uh, sterile is set up is, is really important there. So we did this pictures of me and a couple little kiddos. We did a soft opening our first day in October as we kind of got our systems dialed in and, and then uh, it's been busy ever since. I think I got a picture somewhere. Uh, oh yeah, I've got a picture down here. I'll skip forward. This is my first day I was open. Um, these were all just new patients, uh, one hour consult appointments. And then 
this is, you know, two some years later, this is a typical day for me where went from seeing six, seven patients a day to now seeing like 40 to 50 a bit a day, big, heavy half mouth ops in my, you know, main quiet op column. And then dark blue is new patients. So probably 10 new patients a day. And then the rest, the last 25, 30 are just recalls and some emergencies. Occasionally special needs will put in orange. We kind of color code everything. Light green is sealants. So now I run out of five chairs, uh, mostly one heavy op column and then a, a bunch of recall and new patient columns. Uh, quick note on how I stayed so busy opening day. I, I bought a bunch of coffee bags, put my business card on here, designed my referral pads. And I went to all the offices in a, you know, about a 50, about an hour radius for me, shook hands, wrote letters, went and gave them to gave the coffee bags to all the referring dentists, and then they would have my coffee bag. And uh, my theory was every time they made a cup of coffee, they'd see my face, see my logo, um, just kind of build that referral source, build that brand. Um, and then patients would call my office phone. Um, and then I'd have uh, a list of patients ready to go. I, I had a, a cloud doc and I'd write down the kid's name and chief complaint and all that good stuff. And I had a whole slew of kids ready to go the first day I opened. So there was no sitting around waiting for phone calls. You know, we were had patients booked from day one, which was which was really nice. Um, couple, uh, I have a little section here on practice metric practice metrics that are important to know. Um, these seem really counter or seem really um, intuitive now for myself. Like once you own a practice, you see these things all the time if you pay attention to your numbers. But I remember in re if I was a resident, these probably wouldn't mean a lot to me. So just to hit on the highlights. Um, Net production is, is going to be um, some numbers that you need to pay attention to. That's how much dentistry that is collectible dentistry you're doing. You know, gross production to me just goes out the window. That's maybe not super relevant because you can't ever collect all that. You've got write-offs, you've got PPO insurance agreements and write-offs and Medicaid write-offs. You're never going to collect that full amount. So we use net production to compare ourselves with how did I do last month to this month, last quarter to this quarter. And then you've got collection, which is actually how much is going in the bank. So collection is really the uh, ultimate number. So if anybody ever brags about how much they're producing, um, that's kind of a joke because everybody's production is totally different based on, you know, their insurances and everything else. It, what matters at the day is what you put in the bank and that's your collection. Our saying is butts and seats, money in the bank. You know, you keep a lot of patients coming in, a lot of butts in the chairs and, and keep your collections high. Uh, you look at your number of new patients. We track our failed appointment rate. Important with Medicaid to really pay attention to that and have systems to limit your failed rates. Uh, your AR uh, accounts receivable, that's how much money the practice is owed. Um, you know, we try to collect co-pays anytime uh, insurance or cash patient owes for uh, a cavity appointment or has a, a, a balance. We try to collect that when they're in almost without fail, but inevitably things happen. You know, you thought something was covered and it wasn't. There's times you got to track things down. Um, Okay, anyways, uh, we talked about accounts receivable, um, patients that owe you, owe you money, that's going to be uh, something there. I don't track case acceptance rate, that's a little bit more important in a GP practice, uh, but something to pay attention to there. Um, recare goal, if you're in more of a profi palace, high recall setup, that can be important to track to make sure you're getting your six-month recall scheduled. I'm a big fan of scheduling your six-month checkup when they leave the door or, you know, when they walk out. So you're always booking out six months. Otherwise it's really hard and, and people will miss that. And it's money on the table. It's recalls that aren't getting done. So it's, it's a good thing to try to schedule that if possible. Um, our practice has a lot of Medicaid, high turnover, lots of GA, um, sedation, eight packs, send them away. You don't see them again. Um, so I don't track that as much, but it can be important to watch that. And then overhead, uh, without going into it, I'm going to hit on this a couple of times, but a big takeaway is 
the average pediatric dentist overhead is around 50%, 50 to 55% of, of expenses. And the rest is money that goes in your pocket as an owner. Um, I think it's really, uh, that's very achievable. And in fact, sub 50%, I think is, is a goal. You know, it's going to be harder if you're in a big city like Chicago or in an expensive area. But uh, um, I think most, most dentists spend too much money. They have, they're not paying attention to their overhead. They're, um, you know, just buying everything under the sun, not marketing correctly. It's, it's very uh, obtainable to get a sub 50% overhead. And I, I think that's important to pay attention to. Uh, I've got a, uh, a little blip here on profit and loss statements and direct and variable expenses. Uh, this is uh, a cutout. This is for GPs, but Kane Waters has a report that you can get online for free that has a breakdown of all their clients. Uh, they're a big accounting firm out of Texas, but they've got all the averages. They just released their PETO one from 2022, but their average pediatric dentist, I think, is collecting like 1.6, maybe 1.6 mil for a solo doc. Um, and then it shows all the breakdown of different direct expenses, which will go up the more dentistry you do. And then your fixed expenses, which are the, is the first bucket to get filled up. Um, those are your rent, you know, your credit card, your con ed, advertising, things that are fixed. Um, so it shows the average percentage breakdown. So it kind of gives you a target of what to, what to shoot for. Um, and then it shows like what your average you know, practice has for profitability and money left over for, for the doctor. So um, it's important to just kind of compare yourself on these, these metrics here. Uh, so I mentioned the five benefits of practice ownership. Uh, you know, I, I have these memorized now. Uh, I stole this from Charles Loretto, who's a really cool guy. He's a Kane Waters guy, has a podcast. Um, always kind of admired that guy. He's just a really sharp dude. And um, <clears throat> I, I kind of stole this from him. So I got to give credit, but he has a whole lecture on this. That's really good. But basically, um, five key, key perks of owning a practice. You're going to dramatically increase your income. You're going to be able to have uh, retirement planning opportunities that you wouldn't as an associate. You're going to build equity in an asset that has a lot of value. You know, you've got a machine that prints money and has patience and this big monster that you have to feed and it's worth something. You can sell it to another dentist or to um, corporate if you want to go that route at the end of the day, but you, you have uh, equity in a, a really valuable asset there. Um, and you have tax write-offs, which is huge. You know, you can, if, uh, if I buy a work vehicle, if I get a cell phone, I take my wife out to dinner and we talk about the practice. She isn't a, uh, an employee of the practice. You know, that's all tax write-off and at a 40%, 45% tax bracket, it's like everything's 45% off. So um, legitimate business expenses, uh, it's, it's really a, a key perk being able to write those off uh, as a practice owner. And then the fifth one, uh, you get to control your own life decisions, uh, your own, not own life decisions, but your own practice decisions. You have autonomy. Uh, you can control your schedule, uh, practice the way that you want. And you're not being told what to do, uh, which is pretty huge. So uh, again, this is a snippet um, from Kane Waters from that same report shows just uh, different breakdowns about how, you know, what you can expect to make as an associate. Uh, again, this is a few years old, but, you know, if you can make 200K as a pediatric dentist on 35% a day or 100, 100 grand a day, you know, if you were an owner, it shows the breakdown, you know, if you had $1.2 million pedo practice at a 55% overhead. So doing that same amount of dentistry, you'd make, you know, half a million dollars if you were a, uh, an owner. So it just kind of shows, you know, if you got a lot of debt, fastest way to get out of debt is become a practice owner, really increase your income, you know, capitalize on those five benefits, tax write-offs, and then, uh, and then you're crushing it after that. So, um, <clears throat> Simple recipe. This this is a busy slide, so I said I'll send you guys this uh, PowerPoint. But um, this is my simple practice uh, recipe for practice success. If you needed to follow this step by step, you know you're gonna 
start purchase or buy into a practice in a low competition area with a lot of need. You're looking for those working class people that have jobs and insurance. You're going to go where the cavities are at. Um, uh, this again applies to GPs, but essentially just make sure you understand your marketplace and, and offer the services that are needed. You know, if you're going to be in a bigger city, get good at zirconia, get good at maybe tongue lip tie, offer those services. If you're out in the rural area, have really good access to GA, do a lot of sedation work. Um, you know, if, if ortho is your thing, you know, maybe have that dialed in, but just kind of understand the, the skill sets that are in demand in your marketplace. Um, you know, pedo is very bread and butter, but you know, there's, it's, it's a good idea to be able to offer a wide skill set. Don't refer out every extraction under the sun. Try to keep extractions in-house. Um, you know, just simple things like that. Uh, show up hard, work five days a week, be personable, shake hands. Um, you want to just be a good people person, be a, be a conversationalist. Um, that's going to take you a lot farther than anything else. You know, a dentist who is a mediocre dentist, like, you know, moderate skill set, moderate hand skills, but is a people person is going to do way better and be way more successful and just make a bigger impact on their community than, you know, the kid with the best dental skills, uh, hand skills in their class, but can't talk to a brick wall, you know, so people skills are everything. Um, you're going to find good staff. You pay them well when you find the good ones, constantly do quality improvement, do a lot of same day treatment. Uh, be profitable, keep your overhead low. Uh, I like using an isolite. We do a lot of half mouth dentistry. Um, and then you're going to try to remove barriers to getting treatment done. So like I said, same day treatment when possible, try to do payment plans, cash discounts, try to stay open, you know, don't work three days a week. You know, if, if you can, um, you know, trying to stay open Mondays and Fridays, those are always our busiest days because a lot of offices aren't open. Uh, that's key as well. And then once you're up and busy and successful, just don't do any crazy risky investments you know, stick to bread and butter dentistry, save money, live below your means, grow the practice, focus on really good dentistry. Um, and just don't do anything crazy. And you're just going to be really successful. You'll get your student loans paid off. Um, but the practice ownership way is a good way to do that. You just have to follow this, you know, very basic uh, list of um, steps here. So kind of rounding out, I've got my, my uh, 10 commandments of practice ownership. Um, this is not in any particular order, but just things I, I thought worked really well um, for myself. So uh, number one commandment, don't hesitate to become, become an owner. This whole slide, the analogy I use is, is burn the ships, right? So when Cortez arrived in the new world with all the ships coming to America, the first thing he did was he said, we're, he set the ships on fire. He burned them all and said, you can't go back. And, and I, I think of the same way when you start a practice, um, you can't, I don't like half going into it. I don't like associating half, you know, part-time for five years, like decide that, you know, I want to be an owner, you know, if that's your, your route, I'm going to be an owner, you know, come up with a plan to do it, create your business plan and execute it and put all your chips in and go, go, you know, all in. Cause the number of dentists that fail doing it is, is really, is really slim. Um, and very, there are people that kind of regret becoming an owner, but in general, if that's the path you want to go, it's really easy to put it off and it gets harder to do the longer you wait. So, you know, the more you associate, the more you're making money for somebody else, just commit to that investment burn the ships and, and, uh, just and commit and go in, you know, I went full time right off the bat. I didn't associate. I, I started working five days a, a week. The bank did not like that, but, um, I was able to fill a full schedule, you know, from, from that first month. So I would just recommend going all in, uh, commandment two: demographics or everything. I have a blip here. You know, uh, this is a screenshot of, um, uh, inside Denver, like Boulder, uh, I Googled dental office and there's about 15 of them in like a mile radius, you know, so this is an example. Everybody wants to practice in the same area. Dentists love to open practices on top of each other. Um, 
I think it's a, it's important to maybe recognize that there's consequences to that and that you're going to be busy, busier if you can practice in an area that's not super competitive. So highly recommend, you know, paying attention to your demographics and be aware you're not going to do as well. You're going to struggle. You're not going to be as busy if you go to a really busy area where all the other pediatric dentists want to be. Um, just it's a competition thing. So stick to your core competencies. Number three, the default rate on dental practices um, on loans is less than 1%. So uh, just stick to doing really good dentistry. Don't try to, um, you know, keep your family relationships good at home. Don't get divorced. Don't get, you know, the dentist that failed do weird stuff like that, or they, they get into weird risky investments or they have personal problems, um, addiction. So if you can stay away from that, just stick to doing really good dentistry. Uh, that's, that's how you're going to be successful. Then just showing up and working hard every day. Uh, commandment four is press the flesh. That's what I, I put it. It's kind of a weird one, but basically be a people person. This is a screenshot of all the um, referring dentists and pediatricians in, in my area that I put together. I know most of them on a first name basis. They all have my cell phone number. I keep notes on them. Um, if you're going to an area and practicing, that's one of the first things you should do is go in person, you yourself, not your staff members, but you yourself, write letters, go shake hands, introduce yourself. Here's my cell phone number. You call me if you got a kid that's tough, you know, that you need help with. Um, if you, if you're local pediatricians and, uh, you know, GPs in your area don't know who you are, don't have your personal cell phone number, then you're not doing it right. They need to know, they need to know who you are. It's really important. And that's just how you, you know, how you grow. The analogy is it's like you're running for mayor. You know, you got to be out there meeting people, uh, networking. I try to always once a month, have somebody over to the house and barbecue or, or you know, have a dinner or meet people, you know, just, just um, socialize with your other dentists and just network and stay connected. And that's uh, an important uh, concept there. Number five is stop buying everything. So, um, uh, it's really easy in dentistry to just write big checks for things that you don't need. You know, I got a picture of this Pete's office that has a five foot Mario statue on the ceiling and, uh, you know, all these outrageous, uh, decor things in the office. And in my opinion, I think that's just overkill. Like if I go into that office as a patient and the dentist does a five minute cleaning and then I come out and I'm paying 400 bucks for it, I'm going to think, Oh, they're just, gouging me because they got to pay for that life-size Mario on the ceiling. So just keep a really lean practice. Uh, you know, you can buy the $130, uh, the Novo wire cutters from the Novo if you want to, but <clears throat> excuse me on eBay, they sell the exact same thing for nine bucks. And I have that pair and I've used it a thousand times and it's held up just fine. So, um, don't jump to the big guys, the dental suppliers, they're trying to screw you. You know, you want to look towards net 32, um, eBay, Amazon, try to get at least your disposables and some of your basic instruments there before spending an arm and a leg um, on, on the big expensive guys, because it's just not necessary. Uh, commandment number six is minimize your overhead. So there's, there's two things you can do to kind of improve that overhead percentage. The one that uh, most people think of is lowering your uh, expenses. Okay. Like I can just spend less money. I, I, I keep my expenses low. You can reduce your costs find cheaper or use less materials, get rid of subscriptions, shop for different um, like insurance uh, in, insurances for the practice, like your business insurance, advertise smarter, find a different lab. Uh, I do my own bookkeeping through QuickBooks. You can save money there, but you can only do that to a certain extent. You know, you can only, you know, you cut your four by four gauze in half so many times, right? You know, there's only so many places to save money. So at some point, the best way to lower your percentage of, uh, of your overhead is to increase your collection and do more dentistry. You know, that, that bucket of fixed expenses, that's the first to get filled up like rent, 
and uh, your bookkeeping and accounting fees and advertising, that's all fixed. It's the same dollar amount. So once you fill up those buckets, your direct cost for doing the dentistry is way lower and each dollar is way more profitable. So uh, if you can find a way to do same day dentistry, increase your collections, be more efficient, you're going to um, be, be money ahead there. And then uh, number seven, commandment number seven, define your ideal patient and then market to them. Uh, so I do a lot of social media advertising. My uh, overhead is super, super low and I spend almost nothing on, uh, on advertising. Part of that is being in a rural area. <clears throat> But uh, Facebook and Instagram, really powerful way to market. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. A couple posts a week, a few reels, a few stories. Um, You can boost those posts. You can select your demographic, like young moms with kids. You know, you want to know that you're chasing the moms. You know, that's why my practice is next to a grocery store. The moms are the ones buying groceries. Um, So just understand that we're trying to to, um, brand ourselves with, you know, young moms with kids. Uh, So tailor your advertising there um, correctly. Okay, so we, uh, we just finished talking about, um, you know, defining your ideal patient and marketing to them. Uh, number eight, commandment number eight is know your numbers. And I know I, I hit on this earlier, but uh, in my opinion, I think pediatric dentists like to focus so much on doing dentistry that over time you get lazy and don't understand your numbers. Um, you know, most, your average pediatric dentist, especially one that's been at it for a while, uh, hires out the bookkeeping, um, which it is important to have a good, you know, financial advisor and, you know, practice consultant, if you will. I've got a really good CPA um, and, uh, and he's great. Um, and uh, in my opinion on this, on the know your numbers thing, I think it's important to try to at least start by doing your own bookkeeping so that you can pull up a profit and loss. You can, um, you know, kind of compare yourself and how the practice is done. You know, what, what did my expenses, uh, my uh, advertising and marketing expense look like this quarter from last corner. Did it go up? Did it go down? Are we spending more on our lab fees this year compared to last year? Um, it's it's nice to have those numbers available and to, to be reconciling your own expenses, which again, I use QuickBooks online. I really enjoy doing the basic part of my, you know, booking expenses and income. Uh, it really lets me know my my overhead and lets me know my numbers. And that way you don't go months and months without you know, paying attention and just assuming the money's there, you know, it it kind of forces you to pay attention to where you're spending your money, where the income's at, what's your collection doing. Um, And then like, I have a breakdown here, the cost to set up a a recall, you know, this has probably gone up with inflation, but um, the actual direct costs, like just the tray and turnover, not staff costs, but that's about seven bucks cost to set up an op about 23 bucks. If we just, you know, all the disposable supplies and that's before your, um, you know, employees. So it's good to do kind of exercises like this to determine, you know, well, what are my numbers and what are my expenses? So knowing your numbers is really important as a business owner. Uh, commandment number nine, systemize everything. Um, I have a lot of really good systems in place. You know, every, every good business, every McDonald's, Jimmy John's, uh, you know, big, big retail places, all those big businesses, they have systems in place that they're constantly improving. Uh, and I, you want to, you know, you want your dental office to kind of be the same way, right? So, You want to have a good system in place for, um, you know, staying up with your sterilization, keeping your water lines clean, uh, employee training when you have an employee on board, our surgery days, like your RGA scheduling. We have a really cool system with a whiteboard and a folder system. So in our office, if it's a GA write-up and the parents or the, uh, uh, my staff sees that I'm, I'm starting to recommend that we do a sedation or GA, uh, they have a folder that they pull out. Yellow is for Medicaid. Green is for a private insurance, just so we can kind of keep those uh, track of those. But there's a little half slip in there that they start filling out. It's got all the sedation info. I tell them how much time I want. 
we've got a star system. It's either PRN, one star or three stars. Three stars, like if they've got a bombed out abscess, like we need to get them in ASAP. Um, so you just have a really good system there. But if you're doing a lot of sedation, having a good um, sedation system in place is important. Uh, but systemizing everything is just is key. And so the more you can systemize, the more you can get the, the office to run like a well-oiled machine, the better off you're going to be. And then number 10, commandment number 10, write goals and crush them. We're, we're big on that. Uh, I have a big whiteboard in my office. Um, we haven't done one of these for a little while, but I like doing kind of games, different things. Like here's our, our, our goals for, for this year. We want less missed phone calls. We want more GA days. We want X number of new patients a month. Um, you know, we usually average well over a hundred patients a month, like usually 120, 130. It slowed down as we've gotten capacity because I, I can't physically see any more patients on my schedule and we're booked out a long ways. But, um, you know, you know, we just have goals, write down those goals, reward be specific with them and then reward your team members. You know, we like to do like cool games. If we, um, have a certain collection month or if we see a certain number of new patients, you know, everybody gets a hundred bucks or we're just kind of doing good games, cool things to reward the teams. Um, but just being intentional with your goals and revisiting them frequently is, is really important. Uh, so a couple resources for you guys to kind of learn more, um, uh, let's see. So books, this is an audio book. I'm a big fan of, it's called the Titans of dentistry. It's a, um, it's a really cool book that it's basically a series of short interviews with some of the really, uh, important figures in the dental industry. Um, guys that you should, should know of like really important. And it's not just pediatric dentists. It's mostly general dentists, but it asks the same questions. Like what's your morning routine? What procedures do you wish you knew how to do younger? Like, what are your what's your piece of advice for a young dentist? It's just got a bunch of short interviews and it's, it's really cool to pick the brains of the masters of our profession. Um, so really highly, highly recommend that book Titans of dentistry. It's a great audio book to listen to. Uh, if you're going to be a practice owner, extreme ownership is a good book. That's a, a Navy seal Jocko willing book, uh, basically talks about how Navy seals take extreme ownership. If, if your practice is doing really good or really bad, if you've got an employee that's struggling it's not their fault. It's your fault because you hired and trained them. So it's just teaching you how to take ownership, good and bad for everything that happens and recognizing that if something's not going well, instead of blaming other people, it's up to you. You know, you're responsible for changing the outcomes and changing that situation um, and taking extreme, extreme ownership. Uh, the Dentrepreneur podcast. That's a really good one. Mark Costas, NDP. That's the Kane Waters po podcast with Charles Loretto. Um, that's really good if you're looking at partnering, uh, associate to partnership. Um, just transitioning for like buyouts. If you want to do a buyout versus a uh, scratch start, really good podcast to listen to. A lot of good episodes there. Um, I like the Dennis Money Show. Uh, those guys are pretty good. There's a lot of background chatter, but um, the the they've talked about a lot of good investing and um, financial stuff. And then my own shameless plug, Bruise and Tiny Teeth. That's my pedi pediatric podcast. You guys are probably all aware of that. Uh, I kind of do for fun as a little side project. Um, that's just kind of my networking nights and evenings thing I work on. Um, and then dental town's a good forum, good resource. Howard Ferran does have a 30 day dental MBA. Uh, it's a very, uh, it's a macro level thing, but on YouTube it's old. It's like from the nineties, but a lot of the principles are really relevant. Just the basic business, you know, macroeconomic, uh, principles of the business of dentistry. So I would recommend that too. So I got, uh, ending it with my favorite quote, um, from Warren Buffett, someone is sitting in the shade today because that somebody planted a tree a long time ago. Um, uh, that, uh, is a quote from, from Buffett. And I think there's a lot of truth that, that holds true there. So, um, if you're, if you want to be a practice owner, jump in, be a practice owner, don't hesitate. And, uh, 
um, you, you know, you won't regret it. It's nice having that autonomy and it's, it's kind of like having kids. You just do it before you, um, before you can think too much about it. So with that being said, I've got my baby, she's crying downstairs. So I apologize. So obviously it's a hot mess down there. If you guys can hear that, but, um, hopefully that was some pearls for you guys kind of told you about my journey. Some of the tips that worked well for me, I, I, I definitely kind of rushed through that presentation. Um, uh, but, um, if you guys have any quick questions, I'm happy to power answer any questions if you guys, um, have anything, but, uh, otherwise I, I appreciate the opportunity to come present to you guys. Thank you, Dr. Casey. Really appreciate it. We know how busy you are, you know, with the practice and the new baby, but we really appreciate you taking a lot of the time out of your busy schedule to present to us. So it means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Uh, you guys, good luck with, uh, your practice journeys and, um, you know, and, uh, congratulations on, on joining the working world. And, um, if I can ever be of help, you guys, you know, you guys get my cell phone number, reach out to me anytime. I'm ha happy to help if you guys ever need any advice and, um, you guys are going to love, love working as pediatric dentists. It's the best profession. There's a lot of hard days, but there's a lot of really cool moments as well. So, uh, definitely nothing I'd, I'd rather be doing. So. Thanks for listening to the bruise and tiny teeth podcast. Be sure to DM our host, Casey Getz, on social media with any listener questions, comments, or tough clinical situations. We'll see you next week for another unfiltered episode.